1: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brinkinridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. 974-8255-974-TALK. Where do you want to go today? What are we going to talk about? My dad got a Fitbit 10,000 steps. I got lots of friends where they're like, oh, I got to get my 10,000 steps. And off they go, down the road. Uh, 10,000 steps. Is it for real or is it folklore? Um, is taking 10,000 steps every day really going to make a big difference in your life i don't know there's a lot of 10,000 being thrown around so i thought why not we speak to somebody who understands these fitnessy things more than i do because for me fitness is uh, going up the stairs christopher labos cardiologist epidemiologist um what does that mean chris
0: uh, well, what that well, cardiologist. I hope most people know what that means it means I, I, I'm i a heart doctor. But the epidemiologist means I look at the the science of how we actually do studies and look at the data and the, uh, you know, I'm trying to look at to see where the data comes from. And so one of the things that I like to do in my spare time is I like to say to myself, you know, we hear about these ten thousand steps. Where does this actually come from? What does the science actually say about it? And so that's why I wrote the uh, the the original article, which then ended up getting picked up in the uh, national. Post by
1: uh, Sharon Kerkey So a curious doctor who uh, Wants to make sure that everybody lives longer The article that you Shared I'm going to let you sort of reveal Some of the information and the data behind it Um, What did you find 10,000 steps a day is it going to uh, Save the world like we think it is
0: well, the the, the the first thing that's rather interesting is to look at where this number actually comes from. Uh, and it actually doesn't come from any type of scientific study. It comes from a marketing campaign. There was a Japanese company back in the 60s that made a pedometer uh, which they called the, the the Manpoke, which translates from Japanese into 10,000 steps or 10,000 step counter. And uh, their marketing slogan was let's all get our 10,000 steps a day. And so that marketing slogan really caught on. And as walking clubs became more common and as people, uh, you know, started walking more and as, you know, pedometers and and other sort of Fitbit-like devices became more and more common, this idea of 10,000 steps really crystallized in the public consciousness. Um, But the number itself isn't really based on anything because, um, you know, many of the studies that have been done Trying to get people to walk more. Sometimes they hit thresholds that were below 10,000. Sometimes they hit thresholds that were above 10,000. So I don't. Th- we don't need to be obsessed with a particular number what we need to do is move more so if you can take if your baseline is you walk five to seven thousand steps a day if you can get that up to nine thousand steps a day well you've done yourself some good even if you haven't reached that threshold and by the same token if you're a very active person you don't have to stop at ten thousand steps a day you should if you're able to do so walk even more than that because the more active you are the healthier you will be overall
1: Well, as a cardiologist, I mean, getting people moving would be a big part of your everyday conversation, I would assume. Um, Oh,
0: yes, indeed. Yes, indeed.
1: So what is the, does the 10,000 steps help us, or is it just such a misnomer that we just think that maybe we're just being human when we say there's the finish line, 10,000, 9,999, have
0: a beer? Right. (laughs) Does it do us any better? Well so, so 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 here's the thing the average person if you're a sedentary person meaning if you have a desk job and you don't do any type of exercise you don't do anything physically active just because of your daily activities you will probably walk somewhere between 5 to 7000 steps a day on average it depends it varies from person to person If you then take that person who's sedentary and get them to walk 30 minutes a day at a relatively brisk pace, that person will walk maybe another 2,000 to 3,000 steps a day, let's say. So most people, if you get them to walk an extra 30 minutes a day, will hit that 10,000-step threshold. So for some people, having the step counter, having the pedometer, having the Fitbit, having whatever device you want, and giving them that goal is helpful the problem with these devices is that you have to remember to carry them with you. if you forget them at home, you've you, you sort of invalidated that day's measurements. And there are some issues with accuracy. Now, they're more or less accurate and they give you a ballpark. But you have to remember that the numbers themselves, there's always a little bit of play because they don't necessarily capture every step or sometimes they can sense movement and think that's a step when you're really just sitting at your desk and, and, and moving around. So... I, I, I understand that some people do like these devices. They feel that it keeps them motivated. And if that's the case, then more power to you. But you can accomplish the same thing simply by deciding to walk 30 minutes a day without having to become hyper-focused and worry about that particular number.
1: It just seems to me um, that I guess something that gets people moving is probably a good thing. Don't limit oh, yeah. yourself to yeah. 10,000
0: no that's exactly right and and the problem is too is that it's very hard for us to gauge the number of steps we've done right you say well how many steps have i moved today that's not something that's particularly intuitive and we don't we don't estimate our exercise, our physical activity in terms of distance. We estimate our physical activity and exercise in terms of time, right? We don't say I'm going to go for a 5K run. You say that you're going to go for a 30-minute run. You know, we, we bank and we schedule our time in block increments, usually of 15 to 30 minutes. So speaking to people about carving out time for exercise and physical activity is probably more, is a more intuitive way to go about it. Because the problem with telling people 10,000 steps is that it requires them to go out and buy an extra device, which, you know, some people, many people can't afford it, some people can't, but it, it's an extra device that you have to have on you. It's a device that you have to remember. And the problem with all these devices is that people do tend to become bored of them. Compliance tends to drop off with time. And if you don't have the device with you, it's not, part- it's obviously not, going to work if you don't always have it with you and if you don't keep using it so it's probably in the long term more useful to get people used to the idea of allocating time for exercise because the end result will be the same and that doesn't require any special equipment or devices you just need to have the willpower to go out and do it,
1: it doesn't seem overly inspiring i gotta say <laughs> uh, dr christopher labels cardiologist epidemiologist those are big words now you because um, my doctor told me less eggnog Um, first of all, he's crazy, right?
0: well, I, I, here's the thing. I, I, although a lot of people like to tout the medical benefits of, of alcohol and alcohol-related drinks, um, we would probably all be better off if we drank less alcohol for a variety of reasons. But the big one is that alcohol has a lot of calories in it. So if you want to lose weight, uh, reducing the amount of alcohol you drink is probably one of the most efficient ways to cut calories out of your diet. Well,
1: and you and I are never going to be friends, I can tell you that much. I, I, I,
0: I, I regret that very much. But sadly, I am bound by the truth, unfortunately. I'm open no at dinner parties for this
1: for this exact reason. Yeah, right. Don't don't invite Chris. He's going to ruin the party. <laughs> um, one pound of body fat equals thirty five hundred calories. That's sort of the number. That is that one real?
0: Yeah, to a certain extent. With, with the, the problem is this: it's actually if you're if you're trying to lose weight, you're much better off not. Eating the calories to begin with, rather than trying to burn them off afterwards, because it takes a surprising <laughs> amount of time and effort to burn off calories. Like people go for a thirty-minute walk and they're like, ah, "I probably burned like a thousand calories," and it's probably closer to like two hundred calories, you know. And then people go and, and and eat something and they're like, "Oh, that's probably like 300, 400 calories in that dish," and it ends up being like a thousand calories in that dish that you order at a restaurant. So we tend to overestimate and you know, we tend to underestimate the number of calories in our food, and we tend to overestimate the number of calories we burn when we exercise. So we think that we're burning a lot of calories when we exercise but we're not really doing that much. To burn a thousand calories uh, through exercise you basically have to be running like a good jog run for like an hour and that'll be you know 800 900 to a thousand calories depending on your body weight so <laughs> if, you're, you're not you're, yeah you're not going to burn off uh the junk food you eat with a 30 minute walk a day the 30 minute walk is going to do you a lot of good in terms of your cardio cardio respiratory fitness and your you know your general shape but if your goal is to lose weight you're much better off not eating it in the first place
1: that's um i find that absolutely remarkable because that that 30 minute walk is basically a glass of wine
0: really Uh, when you boil it down to it. And that's what happens. A lot of people they'll go for like a morning walk, and then they'll they'll go to the coffee shop and get a muffin, and they've just eaten more calories than they burned off in their thirty <laughs> minutes of exercise. So it's getting like, there, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's sur- it's surprisingly easy to be counterproductive in this uh, in in these activities.
1: Well, and I find twenty bucks in my jacket pocket. I spend that about five times too in my mind before I actually put it in the bank. So science has got a lot of more options. Apple Watch and these various things that are out there beyond yeah. the Fitbit. I think the Fitbit is catching up in the super interactive a thing smart watch land the health stuff that we're starting to see for health monitoring on the devices though apple watch probably leading the way for the most depth in that Is, is that stuff helpful to doctors
0: it depends. I mean, the, the thing that we've been talking about a lot with the Apple Watch now is they have these new ECG sensors, and they can detect arrhythmias. Um, so that's interesting. The issue that I have, and I think a lot of cardiologists have with it, is that what we've basically done, or what Apple has basically done, it's created a situation where we're doing population-wide screening for arrhythmias without any real science to back it up. The The problem that you have is that if you give Apple Watches, or not give, but if you sell Apple Watches to like a, a, you know, a, a large segment of the population who don't have any disease, you're going to get a lot of false positives. And that's the issue with a large-scale population screening. It's false positives. The Apple Watch is going to give you an alert to say, oh, maybe there's something wrong. These people are going to go to their doctors uh, only to find out that there was nothing re- really wrong with them. So the problem with false positives is that it creates anxiety, it creates stress. It actually costs the healthcare care system money because you have these people going to their doctors to then get further tests to find out that they were all okay to, to begin with. So, and, and the problem is, is that the people who are going out and buying Apple watches are tend to be the younger, fitter, more health-conscious people who probably don't have heart disease to begin with, right? So you're doing cardiovascular screening on a population that probably doesn't need it. If you were to use it in a very select population, sort of an elderly population that had risk factors that had issues, I can see a role for this type of device in that type of population. I just worry that it might get overused and then the problem is, like I said, you're going to get all these false positives. So people have to be a little bit worried about relying too much on these devices like the Apple Watch and, and other things for it. I mean, don't diagnose yourself with the disease unless you actually see your doctor and get the proper testing for it first.
1: Yeah, don't Google it, uh, WebMD style. So um, I just think I came up with a million-dollar idea for you and I, Chris. You ready?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Me. Recliners with yeah. the, the, the cardio sensors in them? Mm-hmm. So when you're reclined and watching golf in the middle of the afternoon, and your arms are on yeah. the sensors, those are the people. Yeah, yeah. That's the guy right there. <laughs> That's who we you need. Have to... your heart
0: monitoring as you're watching TV. That's it's right. An interesting idea. It's right? an interesting idea. I'm, I I I worry it might not catch on, but it's an interesting <laughs> idea.
1: <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun at a party. This guy, Dr. Christopher Labels, cardiologist, epidemiologist. Ten thousand steps definitely good for you, but you do need to inspire yourself to just get active. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right. 974-8255-974-TALK. We're going to come back with more of your uh, messages. Thank you for the contributions of the best eggnog ever. <laughs> Clearly, you're supporting me. We'll get to that and more coming up next. Nine seven four eight two five five seven seventy 770 chqr Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.